Hey there, it's Jennifer. Welcome to another episode of Uncommon Knowledge. This week's episode I've titled The Mask. Some of you might be thinking of, gosh, what was it, the early 90s Jim Carrey movie, The Mask? I promise, no green animated nonsense going on here. Not that you'd be able to tell, because it's a podcast, but it's just me. No green funky mask. Today I want to talk to you about something that I think I have recently owned in my life. I think over the years I've touched on it and I've had flashes of acknowledging this. But through some of the stuff that I'm doing in the last few months, really particularly in the last two months, I've been really looking at my motivations behind things. So today's conversation, today's episode is is coming from that. Not too long ago, my son and I got into a little bit of headbutting over an issue. He's going through and walking through something and he's, you know, he's 12, so he's almost a teenager. And he's got all of these emotions and all of these things that he's got going on in his life. So it's natural. It's natural that we're going to come to to heads a little bit and a a little bit more often than we have been in the past. I fully expect it. So there we are this night having this conversation, going back and forth. It's right at bedtime. It's right as we're ending the day. I'm realizing that as this conversation is going on, my part of it, my side of it is escalating quickly. Like if my life in that moment was a, was a meme, it'd be the, well, that escalated quickly meme. I'm standing in his bedroom and I, when I look back on it, I'm standing there, my hands on my hips, giving him a directive, giving him an order. And I, my communication is just getting more and more escalated and more and more heated. As a result, he is responding to that and he is giving it back to me. I am watching our good night just crumble into a series of angry words. We end the evening and I say my terse good nights and he says his terse good nights and we part ways and I go into my room and have that moment where you're sitting down and and I'm reflecting and I'm trying to calm myself down because I've been trying to be good lately and get into bed at a reasonable time. So I'm there and I'm trying to calm down. I'm trying to get to a point where I can physically see myself getting into bed and being able to go to sleep. I, like I said, I've been working on, you know, understanding the motives behind things. So I'm starting to dig into that fight that we just had while it is still fresh. And I'm trying to at the same time do it so that my blood pressure will drop, my heart rate will drop, and I can, again, focus on getting myself into a state of being ready to go to bed. And as I'm digging into it, I'm peeling back the layers, I'm replaying the conversation, I'm watching myself go from normal communication about this subject to just flash, boom, angry. And I'm watching myself and just shock and remembering what I was feeling and thinking and trying to understand how that happened. How did I just go from conversation to angry and I realized as I dug down deeper and deeper the human brain is a fascinating thing in a nanosecond I went from where we were at conversationally through all the possibilities of what that behavior in him could dictate and that the outcomes could be and I went from 
zero to 60 in a nanosecond. I went from this conversation to, oh my God, I could lose my kid. And I realized that I went from feeling okay to being terrified, terrified. I was scared to lose my kid. I was scared of ever getting a call that is a parent's worst nightmare. It sounds crazy. What I did, I went from that conversation, which really was not that severe, but in a flash, my brain processed all the ways that I could be dealing with that reality. And that is not something I think any parent ever wants to acknowledge. That's not something any person I think wants to acknowledge is the very real possibility that we could lose people we love. But more than that, that fear, being scared, was not something I was ready or willing to deal with. And it wasn't something that I was comfortable in that particular moment owning. Like it happened on such an unconscious level because I'm trying to shove it down because like I said, it's not something any of us ever want to deal with. So that happened and because my body and my mind were in no way ready to have that reality surface up to a conscious moment, I responded with, The only thing I could, the only thing that I thought would protect me because in that moment, that caveman part of my brain took over and it was fight or flight. And I am telling you, I was strapping on my emotional boxing gloves because while we weren't battling over something that was really that severe, it just flashed through me. And I went, like I said, from zero to 60 and I was prepared. I mean, literally when I was thinking about it, seeing myself and going back over it, I physically took on the stance of, of power, of fight. Like I was ready to fight. I'm telling you, I strapped on those emotional boxing gloves. In a previous episode, I shared with you kind of some of my approaches to parenting. So if you've listened to the manual not included episode, you'll know that I try to be very honest with my son about my parenting struggles. I try to be very honest with him about my struggles just in general. But particularly, I have tried to apologize to him when an apology is due on my part. That next morning, I apologized to him. But more than just apologizing to him for my behaviors, I shared with him why I got mad. I shared with him the fear I had and being scared. I get choked up right now just talking about it. But it was important to me to let my kids see into that vulnerability, to let my kids see that I just wasn't an angry mom. I was scared. And let him see that I'm not perfect. Again, so many ways that I am not perfect. And that I'm going to do things I'm going to have to apologize for later. That experience got me thinking about, because like I said, I'm digging through in all all kinds of ways the motivations behind some of the things that I, I do in my life. It got me thinking about other times that I've been angry. I started digging into those moments. Some of the times that I've been angry were those kind of moments where you just look around if you were watching yourself through your own eyes or maybe as a third party observer, like, whoa, that escalated quickly. Or why was I angry about that? It seems like such a crazy, silly little thing. Why was I angry? And do you know what I discovered? I discovered that something like 90% of those times, I actually wasn't 
mad. I was hurt or scared, disappointed or ashamed or worried or threatened, or I felt powerless or I felt disrespected. I felt guilty or I felt rejected. And sometimes I was just tired. You know, I see the, there's the popular candy commercials about being hangry. I think sometimes there's an anger that comes with just being tired. Each of those circumstances behind those feelings share one thing in common for me. All of them expose a vulnerability. All of them put a chink in the armor or show you my Achilles heel. For somebody who for years was trying to be perfect, to exceed people's expectations, to be whatever I thought everybody thought I should be, that's hard. That's inviting people in and letting them see that you're not perfect. And like I said, for years I struggled with perfectionism and the expectation that I had to always have my stuff together. Some of those examples, just to give you an idea of what those things look like. When I was a kid, pretty young, I think still in elementary school, I'd gotten a new hairdo and I was so excited about it. I, after getting it done, I ran, literally ran to my best friend's house because we were gonna have a play date and I was so excited to show her my new do and have her be excited with me. I got there for the play date and she told me how much she liked it and that made me feel so good. And the next day at school after gym class, I happened to overhear her talking about it with another friend and she called it dumb and said that I just wouldn't shut up about it. And man, did that hurt. That took all of the air out of my sail. I was absolutely just def deflated. Here was my best friend was talking about this when she had told me that she liked it and had been excited with me. And Rather than talk with her about that, or rather than, sh than share my hurt with her, later that day on the, on the bus home, she walked up to sit with me because we always sat together. And I just straight up yelled at her and told her she wasn't allowed to sit with me. She needed to find someplace else to sit. And that was it. I just turned at that point and like gave her the cold shoulder because it was easier. She'd hurt me. And I wasn't willing to risk any more hurt. And I wasn't ready either to share that with her. I just didn't realize it at that age. Disappointment is another one. I'd been seeing somebody for a little while. We had been very busy. Our schedules had been very hectic. And I had a young child, so that kind of dictated how often we could get together. We had decided that we were going to have a midweek date night that we were going to be intentional and we were going to section off some time and just spend time together. And I was very excited, but because I had a young kid, it meant I had to find somebody else to watch him for that window of time. So I made all those arrangements. I'd found somebody to watch him. I'd gone, made plans. I'd gone to the grocery store and gone all kinds of fun things to cook. And I was going to try something new. And I was just excited about taking the time to invest in each other and, and do something out of the norm and just special during the week. And that day of the date arrived. And like I said, I'm all excited. I got up that morning like super pep in my step, excited and cheerful and 
gone throughout my day and at lunchtime, I get a call from my significant other and he tells me that he has to go to a work event and is gonna have to miss our dinner. And there are a lot of things behind that that I, when I look back on and think, eh, maybe he could have chosen me over dinner. Maybe he, maybe he couldn't have. Um, I don't know, sometimes there are things in life where we, we don't have a choice and we need to do those things. But in that moment, did I choose to share with my significant other that I was disappointed, that I had been really excited about our date and now I was really deflated and let down because, because he was gonna back out? Nope, you know I didn't. I picked a fight. I did the typical thing and picked a fight. I strapped on my emotional boxing gloves again because that was easier. It was easier to pick a fight and be mean to him and on some level hope that I hurt him like he'd hurt me because it was easier than to, to chance being vulnerable and sharing with him that I was disappointed or, or hearing him say that, you know, he didn't care or, or hearing him say that it wasn't going to be hard for him. But, I, you know, I also... I didn't give him a chance. I didn't think about this. This is another side note that maybe it was hard for him. Maybe he was really disappointed, but man, I just didn't even care in that moment. I just picked a fight and I hey, was not nice and I made him pay for it, for it. And I laughed because we're not together anymore, but I look back on this behavior and I think how ridiculous, how ridiculous, especially with somebody that I'm in a romantic relationship with. I chose to shove him away and put up the anger shield and throw it up rather than share with him that I was disappointed. One of the other ones is, you know, for me is a big one when I feel ashamed or if there's something shameful that I feel like I, I have in my closet rather than admit to it rather than let it see the light of day. I think a lot of times that when we give something a name, when we, we say it out loud, there becomes uh, a power over that we have. And that as long as we continue to keep it in the closet of our, you know, our background and, and not expose it to, to the light of day, it continues to, to have power in our lives. And it be, continues to be something where shame can take root. That's really doubly and triply true for anybody who's trying to be perfect or present a mask or a front of perfection. Any of those areas where we are not perfect become areas of shame because I can't tell you about this shortcoming I have or this uh, poor decision that I made because I have put all of this work into looking perfect. So it's easier when you push up against it or a conversation pushes up against something that is shame inducing for me or anybody who's trying to be perfect like i said when we get pushed up against that for me some of those shame things are when i haven't made the right decisions or choices or when i have not met expectations or when i set a goal for myself and fell short that is that's ooh, i'm feeling the feelings just talking about it that's a struggle for me that has more to do with my issues of being perfect and having really lofty expectations but not meeting goals, not meeting objectives, or doing something wrong is a shame-inducing thing because if I don't call it what it is and I let it sit back there and I let it, I let it fester, it does become shame. And if you push into those things or if you start to ask about those questions. In the past, I have responded with anger because it is, 
it is a protective measure. It's that barking dog that's going to scare you away from a door. Like, don't come in here. So I'm going to bark, 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 bark and be angry at you. Because it's easier than being vulnerable and either admitting to you or admitting to myself that this thing exists. I just shove it away and bark at you and shove you away. I think some of us do that even when we're feeling guilty for kind of the same reasons because we're not really ready to process or, or we're feeling vulnerable about our decisions or what led us to a certain place. And rather than talk about those shortcomings, we respond with anger. But one of the things I think is the biggest takeaway for this for me is whenever I start to feel myself getting angry is to ask myself, why? And very few times do I think there are justifiable reasons for being angry. I think there are plenty of reasons, right? Um, You can be angry at uh, many of the injustices at the world. Be angry about that. Do something about it. Don't just be angry about it. But there are many things that, that can truthfully and honestly be something that we're angry about. What I'm talking about then are those times where, especially for me, where I feel like I go from perfectly fine to flash angry. And it is for me very important to explore those things. I have in the last several weeks explored a lot of motivations behind things and discovered that I do a lot of these things or these reactions out of habit because they've just been been what I've been hard-coded and reinforced over the years to do. And now, you know, for a while I was doing them without even thinking of them and anger was one of them and getting angry about certain things was one of them. My challenge to you is for you to look out and dig into those things. Whether, if it's, if it's not anger for you, that's something else. But really, I mean, I think it really, really is the whole point is that the mask of anger is if you're getting into being angry at something, maybe you've got this under control, kudos to you. But if you don't, and you're struggling with finding yourself angry over things where you're like, wow, how did I go from zero to 60? How did I go from being totally fine to being angry? How did that go from just being a normal conversation to a fight? I would challenge you to look at and dig into, take a moment of really, and not just a moment, it's it's probably several minutes and you have to be very honest with yourself, but dig into that and get to the heart of why you're angry. Life is so short. Life is so short. It just, be angry for something that deserves anger. Be vulnerable with people who deserve or have earned your vulnerability. And learn to let go of anything kind of maybe in between. And maybe, you know, when you're driving in traffic and that guy cuts you off, don't get angry. You have no idea what it is. And the reality is that you can't, that your anger is not going to get you anything, but a, a more unpleasant commute into the office. And then what does that impact? You arrive at the office and you're now at Joe Angry Pants at the office and everything goes wrong in your day. So I would challenge you to really look at those times that when you're getting angry, why? What's the underlying motive? Because I bet you'll discover that there are things underneath that you are getting out. You're getting the escape card. You're using the anger as your as a shield uh, for, for some more vulnerable, sensitive issues. As always, I hope that knowing that you're not alone in that is at least helpful. Maybe knowing that there's at least one other person out there who's getting angry in traffic or who picks a fight is is out there is is helpful to you that's what i've got to share with you with this episode until next episode i hope you're well